everybody. Welcome to the Comic Crusaders. I am Bracey, and tonight I am having the great pleasure of introducing, or not introducing, sorry, interviewing a true comic legend, one Eric Larson, uh, famously known for doing uh, books such as Spider-Man and, of course, The Savage Dragon, and we're here to talk about his new series, Ant. Oh, Eric. boy. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure to meet you. I've been a fan of yours for quite a long while, so this is really exciting for me. All right. Well, pleasure to be here. Well, getting to a, a few particulars here. I got a few questions pulled up. Uh, uh, just to just to get into a little bit of a history for uh, for newer people who might not know a whole lot about you. Um, you're most famous, I'd say, for uh, for doing Savage Dragon. Uh, when uh, the big image split off happened in the 90s, you did your own creator, own property. Mm -hmm. And I know for myself, uh, that was a really interesting concept because I was used to superhero comics. But you took your super-powered individual and you made him a police officer, uh, mm -hmm. which was just a mind-blowing idea to me at the time. And you managed to combine a lot of drama with a lot of the fantastical elements that we uh, – we uh, we expect to have a superhero comic. Uh, what kind of a what pushed you in that direction? What was the impetus behind that? Um, I had, I had created the the dragon character when I was a little kid, mm -hmm. so I had written and drawn just a ton of his adventures when I was a real little kid, like starting from fourth grade up. I drew like sixty different comics with the dragon in it and a bunch of other things too. I did the deadly duo and a bunch of other comics. So I had this kind of backlog of, of all this story. And by the time I got to the end of it, um, me and a couple buddies had self published a fanzine called graphic fantasy. And that was kind of the, the end cap of those stories. It was like, okay, it's, it's all been leading up to this this is my big story here. And this is now going into the big time publishing <laughs> and whole, whole bit. So when I, when I started at image kind of my thought was, well, I, I eventually want to get to that same point where I had gotten to before, but because I created this comic when I was, you know, a real little kid and just didn't have any sense of how the world worked. I thought, well, why don't uh, I'll end up there, but I'm going to start someplace completely different. And then what, and then I went back and was like, all right, well, what would logically lead to him being uh, the ex head of a government super team, which is what he was. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was like, well, you know, maybe, Maybe he could have started off as a policeman because I, I had a friend who was a cop and I was like, all right, well, I could see somebody getting some, you know, sort of training and, and going to kind of work your way up the ranks, sort of like becoming a cop and then going on and becoming an FBI guy or whatever. It just seemed like it seemed at the time that that made sense. <laughs> I don't know if it makes any sense at all, but at the time it was like, oh, this is, Perfect sense. I was uh, I was definitely on board because it was a <laughs> it was a really new and really exciting approach I thought to the superhero genre and one of the things I love most is that uh, 
you would put into like the the trades that I collected uh, your sketchbook from yeah. when you were a kid and all these iterations of the uh, dragon. It was it wasn't when I was a kid. My house burned down in 1991, so everything prior to that was gone. And oh, one wow. of the things I tried to do um, to recover a lot of the stuff that I lost was to fill up a sketchbook with kind of memory sketches of, well, this is what this character looks like. I remember that. I'm going to put him down on paper. Okay. And then there's this, there's this version. I'm going to put this down so I can just, you know, try and remember all the crap that I came up with. And I know there's an awful lot of stuff that I did that uh, will just be lost. It'll be lost. Yeah. In time. Some of it was, was super, uh, derivative <laughs> to say the least where it's like well that guy's clearly dr fate with a different gotchaman style costume that you had for the dragon <laughs> what was that i remember the kind of the gotchaman style costume you have for the dragon the, the battle beyond the planets mm-hmm. uh, i know you said like speed racer was one of the in, in influences but it when i looked at this one particular costume where you had like the long pointy nose and you had the cow with the fan it it yeah. always reminded me of another 70s uh, anime that uh, made its way over here. No, that didn't make it to me. My, mine was like, uh, for some reason, uh, some Batman comics were were kind of my jumping off point. So mm-hmm. when you had the, the, the cowl and the cape and the utility belt and all that, there was just Batman. Because I, I believe you had him in that sketch in Bell Bottoms, too. <laughs> yeah, well, that was everybody was rocking bell bottoms in the seventies. Wasn't yeah. anything I could do about that. <laughs> Just a dedicated follower of fashion. Well, one of the cool things about the sketchbook is like, so you're, you're you're recreating these memories. So you drew all these iterations of the dragon that you'd drawn coming up, uh, from mm-hmm. having like the the very small fin to like I said the the more anime inspired costume, and somehow some way you managed to incorporate all of those crazy ideas that you had a kid into the narrative of the dragon as you went along and you know, everything from him, like being from space to like having the, the Batman sort of thing where he possesses the body of his fellow cop and he's running around like Batman. Yeah. And that was all pretty glorious. I love the way you managed to work all that in. Yeah, that's fun. It's a fun time there. Yeah. You know, I had, I had to, I felt like, like, oh, I get all this stuff in. And then um, I redrew issues, uh, graphic fantasy issues one and two became Savage Dragon, what was it, 64, and uh, 63 and 65, I think. Hmm. So I eventually did, I mean, if you if you had put the two next to each other, it's like, oh, these are the, the same damn thing. <laughs> um, pretty close, whatever. Some things had to be changed because I didn't quite get everything all lined up the way I wanted, but I did what I could. Well, this leads me into my uh, my first question about your uh, your new project here. And uh, thinking about your sketchbook, and you know, as anybody who wants to be a you know a comic artist or you know just draw their own comics, uh, the character in this uh, Hannah Washington, she also escapes uh, through her creativity, through her doodles, through her drawing of superheroes and villains. And I can't help but wonder, uh, is there a little bit of you in here? Do you identify with uh, Hannah in some way? Um, 
I mean, you have to when you're writing or drawing anything is find a place that seems familiar or ways of identifying with whatever character you're working on. So, sure, that's that's in the mix there somewhere. All right. So let's see. So, uh, I have a question about the the origin of uh, of Ant here. Uh, uh, if, my understanding, please correct me if I'm wrong here. Right. Uh, when Mario Gully first created Ant, uh-huh. uh, he's a very big fan of Image. Uh, Todd McFarlane in particular, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think he even tried to pitch it to Image or uh, submit it. Uh, and finally, he, he searched around house after house and house, and he found a studio with uh, Arcana. Mm-hmm. And at at a later point when the, the series was gaining some traction, uh, did it catch your eye in particular? Were you the one who courted him to uh, bring him into image? Uh, he, he kept pitching it to me. By that point, I was the publisher, as I recall. Mm-hmm. So he he kept going. He kept trying. So he would send me books and we talked, I don't know if we talked on the phone. We must have talked on the phone at some point early on there. But he had, uh... <laughs> all right, well. You got a fan, man. There you go. <laughs> okay. One of many. Um, so, so basically what it was is he pitched it, and uh, I had read the material that I had seen, and, and in the material um, – Basically, it was the story of a little kid who lived this tortured existence and was constantly being uh, tormented by kids at school and not getting along with folks. And just basically it was her struggle. And then her escape was she had this journal that she would draw the adventures of Ant in. And um, and while the, the, the stuff with the little girl was really compelling, the problem with it as, as a, a, a character and a character that could interact with the, with the image universe was that ant wasn't real. And it was, you know, it was just the kid's imagination running wild. So um, there wasn't any way that ant could really team up with Savage Dragon or really meet Spawn or really interact with, with any of the image characters because it's, you know, a childhood fantasy of this little girl. And I guess, you know, it's conceivable that she could draw those characters in her journal, but it wouldn't be quote unquote real. Um, and so my talk with him was let's, let's kind of flip the script on here and have it that, you know, now she's an adult, now she's a superhero. And, uh, when we want to show her as a little girl, that stuff will be flashbacks. So while the human being little girl stuff won't be as immediate because you end up with the Superboy syndrome where you know, well, Superboy grows up to be Superman. So how much danger can she really be in? Um, but now the superhero stuff would have that. So she could really be in danger now. And how are you going to cope with whatever problem you got going on? So we, we ended up talking it through somewhat, quite a bit. I arranged so that he could have uh, Spawn show up in an early issue. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Of course, you know, let him use Savage Dragon. That was that was an easy one. Uh, I had done cover sketches for him for the first two, three issues, just as a way of you know talking him through it. How, how are we going to do this? How are we going to figure this out? So there's there's a lot of back and forth that went on. Uh, and then, and then he did the book and, you know, initially it, it was going great guns and then gradually tapered off. And, and there was a, kind of a myriad of problems. He didn't quite have figured out how to do everything. Uh, he did a, there was sort of a big jump in time with the character where, for some reason, Ant was famous and had all kinds of adventures, but we didn't get to see those adventures or really know why she was famous. And then there would be uh, issues that he decided later on, oh, this didn't really happen. This was all just in her head. And he, he ended up basically tossing out most of the first four issues of the series and relegating that to being a dream. Which, I mean, as a reader, if I'm if I'm invested that four issues into a series and then finding mm-hmm. out, oh no, that was all nonsense. It's like, oh, that's not that's not a good way to start off a book. Um, yeah, that and was, then there was, was flash forwards and flashbacks, and he mm-hmm. started working with other writers, and everybody kind of had a different idea of how it would work, and everybody was kind of putting a lie to whatever came before, so. It, I, writing wise, it was kind of a mess. And then schedule wise, he, it just got to be slower and slower with longer gaps between issues. And, uh, eventually it just, just kind of ran out of steam. And Mario thought, well, I'll go do some stuff over at, at uh, Marvel. He, he had gotten some, some work over there to, I think he had adapted, uh, a, a couple classic books or something, you know. It's yeah, like, I think oh, he Treasure Island, did Treasure something. Island, yeah, yeah. So it's like, all right, well, I'll go do this, and this will get me great attention, and then I can bring that audience over to to Ant. And it's like, well, it didn't really get you the attention you thought it might. And then you know, Ant at that point was so late that it really wasn't just recovering. So. Mm-hmm. You know, he just kind of lost steam, and I think kind of lost his his mojo to do the thing. And eventually, he was like, "I think I'm just going to end this." And he he pro- contacted me at one point and said, "I don't know, I don't know how to end this, or I don't know what to do." And I was like, "Dude, you, you just just end it with his, the issue you're working on, just." you know, bring that story to a close. And he's like, I can't think of a way of closing this off. It doesn't make any, I can't do it. So I said, well, send me what you got. And you send me the first seven pages that he had on his computer. And, and I was like, all right, uh, so I'm just going to take it from here and I'm going to, I'm going to do layouts and finish your story and send it back to you. And he's like, all right. So I did these layouts and sent him back mm-hmm. and time went on and more time went on. And, uh, and then eventually he contacted me again and said, well, I got a, another problem. 
had a falling out with the writer that I was working with. I can't use one of the characters that's in the story because it's kind of owned by him and me. So I can't use this character. I thought, all right, that's a problem. And those seven pages that started this story, well, my, my computer crashed or whatever. He had something where he lost those seven pages. So he, he didn't even have those. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll do layouts for seven more pages. <laughs> so, so I, I did that and it's like, here's, here's seven more pages. Now you got the story starts with, you know, so now it's like those seven pages had to bridge the gap between the old end of issue 11 and wherever I kicked in. So I had to come up with some different nonsense that made sense there. And then he just didn't get around to doing it. He just, it just didn't quite happen. Uh, he had done one page and then kind of veered off in crazy town in terms of the, the story there. He just went off in a really different, weird direction with it. And I was like, yeah, man, not like that. <laughs> mm. uh, and it just, it just time went on. It just, you know, days would go and weeks and months. And suddenly it's like, oh, a year has passed. And now two years have passed. And now it's an even bigger gap. And then eventually he contacted me and he was just like, I think I need, I want to sell my character. He had got an offer from somebody else. He didn't say who to, uh, to buy his character. And he said, uh, I got this offer to sell my character. Uh, but if you want to buy it, I'll sell it to you. <laughs> and it was like, what the hell? I'd never bought anybody's character before. It never even occurred to me to ever do such a thing. Right. But, you know, I liked, I liked the character. I liked the way the character looked. I, I like some of the ideas that went into his his original comics. I thought it was kind of all over the place in terms of storytelling and everything else, but I thought there were some some solid ideas in there. So I thought about it a little bit and, uh, and then decided to yeah go ahead. Yeah, I don't don't think he liked the what the other guy had in, in mind for his character. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, he had done some stories that were more quote unquote mature. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, his thought was, Oh, this, he's going to really push it in that direction. And I don't really want that for my character. Whereas I'd kind of been saying, no, you got to do this like, like Spider-Man. You could do like a cool Spider-Man kind of book. Cause you know, she crawls walls and fights crime and does all this. Spider-Man stuff, you should be doing that. And then, so now he was like, all right, I guess I'll do a Spider-Man book. I can do that. So that's how that came about. And here I am. I mean, that's, that's really interesting. It actually dips into a lot of things I wanted to ask you because uh, I can definitely, definitely see a progression in his art when he comes over to image and I don't know mm-hmm. if it's just the influence of having all you, uh, elder statesmen, as it were, uh, being surrounded by that sort of talent and, you know, those kinds of people to bounce ideas and techniques off of, but, uh, looking at the story and everything you've just said, that really speaks to his, 
uh, infancy as a writer, if you will, uh, his lack mm -hmm. of experience. And that seems to have been his fatal flaw, unfortunately. Uh, but that's, uh, that's really pretty well, interesting. That's, a lot of people have that. If you read the early image comics, you'll see mm -hmm. that there's a lot of that going on there. Oh, for sure. You, know, you, you don't like you, you start reading wildcats and you go, this doesn't start at the start of anything. You're just presuming that all this stuff that's, been going on before has always been going on and we're just picking it up in the middle of an adventure mm -hmm. and you know young blood is the same thing and and a lot of these just hey this is a group of guys who's never had to to even do an, an issue one before they don't know what that's all about they don't know that you got to set up all these stuff and and do origins of your characters and start at a start um, and so Mario is very much doing that when he when he did uh, Ant at Image, where it's like I'm going to have her already be famous. Like no, 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 you got to show us why she's famous. You got to you got to yeah. get that part of, of it of the story told. Like why is she a big deal? So it's like all right, yeah, that definitely she's a big deal. that definitely Let's struck me as weird because I'm I'm reading those issues and. I'm like, okay, she's she's had some sort of mental thing. She doesn't remember her past, but everybody she meets in the image world knows her and has apparently worked with her. Yeah, and, and they've had some, some great like, adventure together. Yeah, how does this fit into the continuity if we've never seen this character before? Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. And also at some point he's he decided, oh, I'm gonna do some stories that establish she was there from the beginning. So 1992, here we go. She was around in 1992. Let's do a whole story about in and around that. And, and you know, I'm sitting here doing comics now going, well, wait a minute. 1992 is 30 years ago. <laughs> and if, if you're putting actual dates on stuff and saying this is 30 years ago, mm -hmm. what is she, 45 years old? That seems, you know, to start a new book with uh, – you know, a, a young character who's only 45 seems like that's that's not a no, no way to start. So, yeah, it definitely got weird. I, I am kind of starting a little bit in in her past. I, I, I do start off with her like a little kid writing in her book. And then we're, we, we start we hit we hit the highlights, basically, rather than dwell on every single day but sheesh. let's well let's let's get into that a little bit uh because one of the things i wanted to ask you is uh, uh for you what what's the appeal of ant and i i think you've spoken to a bit of that already not in particulars but in a bit of generalizations and i also wanted to ask you uh, uh why the retcon i think we've kind of established that given how weird the previous things got uh but uh so you're you're doing your own thing. You're you're actually introducing her properly into the image universe. Well, yeah, and I'm actually acknowledging a lot of what Mario did. And and if you read mm -hmm. if you have read the other stuff, there's touchstones in there where I'll go, Hey, remember that time she went to a comic book convention in issue yeah. one of Mario's Aunt? Here she is going to a comic book convention and I'm swiping the same panels and doing like here, here it is they're going it's the same situation yeah and I'm 
I'm not going to have this panel because that doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this. And, you know, and, and just kind of put it in its place. Like, let's put these in chronological order. This happens this, and then this happens there, and then this goes from there to there. So, whew. It did make me wonder if there was going to be some sort of overlap uh, between the previous series and what you're doing now, because I could see that you're putting those elements in, or if that's just a, an alternate reality we want to say at this point. Um, I, I'm I'm not going to say it. It didn't happen. Uh, most of the stuff I can look at and go, it it's fine. The only part that I, that I I can't really use or address is the three issues that directly, you know, it's kind of where Mario's last three issues. I can't really use those in any form. Right. So um, because of that, I got to kind of have to essentially say that stuff didn't happen. So that's the only three that are kind of like, okay, well, this stuff is, is not, really real exactly but i don't know i mean i i I think i address it enough that you can go oh okay this is what happened and now this is the same events but they're in a different order and there's a more consistent narrative and stuff like that and some of it i'll just touch on briefly and some of it i can i can dwell on more but he had, he seemed to have an issue with kind of introducing things like mm-hmm. suddenly Hannah would be living in an apartment somewhere, but there was no, she didn't meet the guy. She now is living there, but we never saw her get the apartment. So it's like, well, let's see that at least. Can we just have those characters meet each other for the first time? That sort of thing. Um, yeah, because so he would uh, he would have dialogue boxes where like uh, I'm at a comic book convention, although I don't know how I got here, and so yeah. Hannah became this very unreliable narrator when you're reading it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <All right. laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So why uh? It's been about 10 years since Ant last appeared. Why bring her back now? What's a, Did you just get a cool new idea or just felt like scratching that itch? How'd that come about? Uh, kind of the pandemic rolled around, and it's like, all right, I got some hours to fill. What can I do here? And also what, what happened was um, because I had done those layouts for Mario mm-hmm. years and years and years ago, those were just sitting around. Nobody drew them. So – they're, they're just in layout form. And so I had, at one point I was like, I'm just going to blow these up and then kind of trace them off. And then there will be a comic. And so that was kind of what I did was like, I'm just going to blow this up. And then, you know, and I, and I just kind of was picking away at it as kind of warm up stuff between doing other things. And eventually it was like, I've got this comic done. I might as well publish this thing. And then at that point it was like, now that I've got, I've ended the old series. I did an issue 12 was my, 
my real first issue. Um, so I was like, all right, I've, I've done an, an issue. Why not do another and try that out? Um, so mostly my, my process is I will do thumbnails and then I'll blow them up and kind of outline those and then do a little bit of brush stuff to, to on her costume itself and spotting some shadows, but mostly I wanted to do kind of a, kind of do like a European look where, where there was kind of a deadline outlining everything and, then, mm-hmm. and, and then do the rest of the stuff with a brush and then, and then do color, you know, I, I'm coloring it myself. So that's, Oh, funny. I didn't know you gotten into that now. So you, you still draw physically you don't do anything digital i take it by what you said and as as i recall, yeah 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 it's uh, all physical I, I saw something you were working you work actually much larger than your typical comic artist and this allows you to squeeze a lot into the panels uh yeah it depends on what it is sometimes i'm working huge and sometimes i'm working tiny and i just i'm all over the map <laughs> um and uh just whatever yeah. it calls for yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bigger than most standard comic art is, and and Savage Dragon is too. But I was working twice up for a while there, mm-hmm. and it just got. Um, I was having problems with it. I, every size, I have problems. Every size, there's an advantage and there's a disadvantage to, right. to doing stuff different ways. Like, oh, I can pack in more detail, but you, you tend to when you're when, at least with me when I'm working real big is I would get kind of lost in a figure like you're working on the top and then you're working on the bottom and then you pull back and you go, Oh, that guy's legs are super big. That's crazy looking. Or, Oh, please go ahead. Cause it's just so big. It's, it's taking up so much real estate in your, in your world that you don't really, you're not really taking it all in at once. And I was finding, I was giving people these really weird narrow, narrow hips <laughs> and I was like, well, that, that's no good. I don't like that. I like that I could cram in more detail and get mm-hmm. more, you know, my my small figures were suddenly being able to tighten up a lot more. So it's like, all right, I like that. But then this part isn't working out so well. And then also just with the, with the way I hold a brush and the way I hold a pen, I was finding that um, I couldn't maintain a nice long swooping line it would get all kind of wiggly so it's like well that part sucks too because now that it's super big some of this stuff just doesn't work very well anymore Mm. and then uh i did a couple issues of savage dragon where i'm like i'm just gonna do pages on various sizes depending on what needs to be done so it's like here's a page which is just a close-up on somebody's face i'm gonna draw that page tiny it's just gonna be like really small and then the next page would be like oh but i got a lot of stuff i gotta fit in here so i'll draw this the size of a barn door (laughs) and so that the original on a couple issues of dragons it's just like oh it's it's all these various sizes and then i'm just scanning it in my computer and just adjusting them all to be the same size so that my the letter didn't lose his mind so you're your working style is almost as mad as your stories. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was so so crazy. It was all over the place, and I was like, "All right, 
let's let's try this out and see how this works. And say, okay, this is chaos. Then keeping the 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 width of the panel borders and all this stuff just became an ordeal. So I was like, all right, this is clearly unworkable. Um, So now I'm working a size that's slightly bigger than than the size I. that's conventional and everybody works. So it's a little bit bigger, but not crazy big. It's so funny. It's funny. When I first started, well, not when I first started drawing comics, cause I, I think like everybody, I started drawing comics in my spiral notebooks that were left over from school mm-hmm. and then discovering, uh, the Marvel tryout book, which had the legitimate comic books. Oh, yeah. page. And I was like, those guys are working this big. And I've been trying to draw, really detailed uh, yeah. things all super tiny i got really mad finding out that they work so big i was drawing on eight and a half by 11 folded yes. in half it was folded in half so my pages were like smaller than printed size so i was cramming in all sorts of stuff in these tiny tiny <laughs> like all right that's i thought that i was actually cool. I actually got mad at some of the artists because like uh spider-man was like my favorite hero for the uh for almost forever right and yeah. then whenever they wouldn't draw webs on Spider-Man to like, you know, save time because he was small on the panels, like, yeah, but he's this big. You're drawing, you could have drawn the yeah, webs. What are you doing? Big. What are you doing? <laughs> it's funny. Now, now, when I was like, on Spider-Man, I never did that. I was always like, I'm going to give him webs no matter how tiny he got. I appreciated that. I, I, I always thought that was a cheat. I was like, it is. It's, it's a size. big cheat. It is such a big cheat. You know, like, uh, and it's, I tell you what's absurd. Like, uh, don't go digital. Keep doing what you're doing because now I obsess over pixels. I like, I zoom in. It's like, why am I zooming in? Nobody's going to see this, you moron. Zoom yeah. back out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's the worst when you, when you, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't even do that with color stuff. You'd be like, oh, I got to get in there. And it's mm-hmm. like, you zoom back out and you go, you can't even see it. What the hell? Yeah. It's just it's, hours, it's, hours lost. It, it's funny because I think all of us artists have a certain level of OCD to us. It just comes with the territory. I, I, yeah. I, I got to say, there's nothing I like more than uh, interviewing a comic book creator and seeing long boxes behind them. That always gives me a, a special little thrill in the <laughs> oh, heart. There's a bunch. I got a bunch of there's comics all over the place and, and a basement full of them. <laughs> Now, Plus spinner racks and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Oh, spinner racks, you are the man. <laughs> uh, let me uh, let me ask you something that we discussed on Twitter a little bit, and I think uh, what you said to me was really important, and I would like. Uh, I don't know what that could be. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Uh, I'd I'd like for uh, creators uh, who are out there uh, creating their projects because your your logo is just as important as your character. This is your branding. Uh-huh. And uh, when I was, I immediately spotted is like, okay, this looks very much like the old original Jack Kirby, Stanley, Thor, the logo. But you, uh, you tweaked it and you made it your own for the new Ant. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of a weird decision. And you explained to me is like, I wanted something that was easy to read, and I like that retro style. Um, but uh, you know, those are really important things to consider because when I look at some logos for books. Uh, some of them are like really nice when you get up on them and look at yeah, them, yeah. but you might pass that by on the rack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the thing about Rom Space Night is mm. Rom, you said three letters and it's like, 
that you can read this thing from across the, the the room, you know? It's like I never had trouble finding ROM on the on the on the newsstand. There's mm-hmm. three three damn letters and they're huge. And the, the middle O is just a big old circle. It's like this could not be the easiest title to read. And that was one of the appealing things about Ant is like, I got three letters. Let's yeah. make those the biggest three letters we can do. And so I was, you know, looking at all these old Marvel logos and different stuff. And it's like, all right, what's the typeface where I can get the biggest, juiciest logo here? So, yeah, that was that was That's what that was that's, all about. And that's always something else I always appreciate about your work. Now, when I look at your artwork, uh, I see a lot of uh, Jack Kirby influence. And I feel like guys like you, uh, Walt Simonson, and to a degree, uh, John Romita Jr., you guys like these big, blocky, cinematic, dynamic mm-hmm. figures that pop off the panel. And so you've got that pedigree, but you've also taken with that. Uh, I've heard you tell people before, like, you know, don't everybody try and be Brian Hitch with your costumes. You know, he wants to make these really complex costumes <laughs> with all the panel linings, like, because you're going to have to draw this a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, at some point, you're going to be drawing a panel where they're an inch tall. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can you even tell who the hell that character is if he's got, you know, a costume like Jericho from the Teen Titans, where you're just like, he's got so many little pieces of crap on him. When you're drawing him that tall, he's he just like, oh, what the hell am I even looking at? This thing's a mess. And and that's the problem with a lot of those is that, is that they're not uh, they're not very iconic in a way, and they kind of need to be in order mm-hmm. you know in order for this stuff to work. Um, it's like I, I need to be able to make him tiny, and I need to be able to make him huge. And the thing with with drawing characters huge is you can always add stuff to them you can always just come in and go i'm gonna i'm gonna put a bunch of cross hatching i'm gonna put uh secondary light sources and just make them look crazy cool and you look at like uh you know jim lee did a run on batman years and years and years ago and it's like that was back when he had the simple costume he didn't have all the weird piping lines and all the strange belts and stuff He was wearing typical batman stuff but Jim could just trick the crap out of him and, and do all this light source stuff and make him look cool. At the same time, Alex Toth could draw that same costume and make it super stripped down. And, it, and you still go, oh, that's the same damn guy. Look at that. Both guys are doing the same thing. And it just worked. And that's the thing, you know, like like Ant is one of the simplest costumes we go. It's just a red naked woman with no face, you know, little things for eyes and a couple of antenna. And it's like, and that's it. It's like, that's like a, that's like a silver surfer kind of design. You go, there's just so little to it. At the same time though, you can come in and go, I'm going to put this metallic sheen on here and Mm -hmm. just trick out the lighting on this and make it super reflective and interesting. And, you know, and then that becomes, it's a, that becomes the detail that you, you're looking at or, or catches your eye, whatever. I got to say, that's one of the things that I think when I first saw uh, Gully's turn on the character when he introduced her is like, it's so immediately 
eye-catching in its simplicity, and yet it's got this silhouette. It's like, like you said, it's like Batman. You know, everybody knows Batman's silhouette, and you you see this female form in this cat suit with these big antenna coming off, and you know that's Ant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't yeah, be anybody that's the, but Ant. It's like it's so simple, and it's 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 just so simple. That's what you want. That's, I want something that's super simple, but can be dressed up and can be made interesting, and something you can do something with. And you yeah, know, that's I, I think uh, people get really caught up in. I, I want to make this costume like super cool. Basically, it's like let me design a costume that anybody can draw, and then just let them go to town on it. Because the, the problem with like a lot of the, the new 52 stuff that they had a bunch of different guys work on, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you know what? This stuff looks pretty cool when this one guy who created it draws it. But when anybody else draws it, it looks clumsy. It looks weird. It just doesn't look that good. So don't, I don't want that. Don't give me that. Don't have George Perez design every character. Have somebody who's going to give me something super simple and then come in there and, and uh, do something interesting with it. I was actually going to say Jim Lee, because when I think of Wildcats, uh, as much as I love Jim Lee's art, I look at each of those characters and like, oh, this guy's Spartan. It's like, well, what about him says Spartan? You know, he doesn't look like he's a, yeah. you know, a Hippolyte or anything like that. I, I don't get the, the reference until I get to know the character. Uh, because of his his sort of stoicism and things, and I I guess I'm just old school like that. Uh, when I look at Superman, Batman, The Flash, Spider Man, uh, you know Thor, these guys, I kind of character I get it instantly. And yeah. again, that's the appeal of somebody like Ant. You get it as soon as you see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. Let's see what else I got here. Oh, good. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We talked about the logo there. Now, you told me that you uh, you drew this logo personally. Do you draw all your logos? Like, did you draw the Savage Dragon logo, or did you have somebody uh, develop that for you? Savage Dragon logo. I did a I did a rough, crappy pass on it, and then uh, Chris Iliopoulos designed the actual logo, and then uh, and then I kept screwing with it afterward. I mean, it's it, if you look at it now, you'll note that uh, that that the the logo has been squished considerably, and then the I took it used to say the Savage Dragon. I took out the the and just made it Savage Dragon. So it's it's I so initially it was Chris, but eventually it was mushed quite a bit for me. Uh, so Andy Kuhn's asking us, since you're taking a catch-up break on Polishing Dragon, will Ant be on the same hiatus till June or July? Uh, it will not be. No, there is a, there is a, there is a, uh, a break from solicitations, I think, for one month. So I think the next issue of Ant's out in May. So hopefully... Hopefully I can get my act together. That's that's the idea is that I'll get my act together. Uh, which brings me to a, to another point. Um, is that going to be continue to be an ongoing series? Do you see it? Yeah, uh, that's the uh, idea. It's okay. it probably won't be monthly. Probably more more uh, kind of like arcs. 
I, I don't even know. I don't even know. It'll just depend on how, how much I can get to it. Probably eight issues a year or something like that. Eight to, eight to ten, hopefully. Um, and then Dragon, usually, usually I get about ten issues a year done. So hopefully I can get back on that, on that track. I just wrote myself into a corner on Savage Dragon. And, right. So what, uh, what issue are you up to now on Dragon? Uh, 262. Okay, because you're, uh, you're, uh, you, I, I believe you're trying to get, uh, you're trying to beat Dave Sim was your initial goal. <laughs> yeah, eventually I'll get there. It's gonna, it's taking a lot longer than I thought it would. <laughs> I mean, because you can't do another okay. stuff is a problem. It's like I did 10 issues of Spawn. What the hell was that? Yeah. I think I'm there. You know, I, I mean, did in, six in, issues of Supreme. In some ways, point. you kind of uh, you kind of outdone him because like he was doing a character from birth to death, but you actually started with the father of that character, and now you have Dragon Two from birth yeah, yeah, to yeah. I guess to death, and you can even go another generation because he's got. Oh yeah, because yeah. I got the next generation all, all lined up. Yeah, <laughs> this can this can go until you you are done. <laughs> until I'm done, yeah, and it's and who knows when that is. You know, hopefully, hopefully it'll have a rousing conclusion, but you know, maybe not. <laughs> okay. Now, one of the one of the things I think is kind of cool about the current series is uh, now when you when you first started Savage Dragon, I thought uh, it was fairly serious. Uh, it had a lot of drama. You you played with a lot of serious stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Dragon had to deal with some real real world stuff, something that you didn't see from a lot of superheroes, but you also started slipping in your own kind of sense of humor. Like the, the gag names used to crack me up the like officer bend over and stuff like that. And you know, then you just (laughs) over time, you just kind of ramp it up and you're like, you get a little full Monty Python as you go. Uh, (laughs) One of the fun things with Ant here is because, uh, you have these flashbacks, you know, she's a young girl creating things. So she's creating them like a child would create them, you know? So she's got like the, the really extreme villains with the really goofy names and all that. Yeah. Is, is Ant eventually, are we, is Ant going to get as wild and crazy as Savage Dragon or do you have a different view for Ant continuing? Uh, I, I want the books to be somewhat different from each other, but she's kind of, She's shown that she's got something of a sense of humor, at least. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't. I I think I'm I'm just gonna let it grow organically and see where it takes me. Uh, I I think it's gonna be a very different kind of book. Um, Savage Dragon is set in real time, where characters age day by day by day. So mm-hmm. over the course of thirty years, thirty years have passed. Uh, in that comic, I don't think I'm going to do that with Ant. But, but we, I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll see when I get there. At this yeah, point, I don't have any little kids to deal with in the book, so that's where that, things start getting weird. That's always been an interesting concept because that's very rarely done. There was, of course, the Marvel New Universe, which tried to stick to that as much as it could. And of course, uh, Judge Dredd, because uh, yeah. Dredd himself is like sixty or seventy now. They've maintained a a temporal continuity in time with our own. So that's well, a- the Marvel Universe when it started was was kind of 
real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, Reed and Sue weren't married when the book started. They got married in the third annual. She got pregnant, and they announced that in the whatever it was, fourth or fifth annual. Fifth annual, something, right? And then the sixth one, they're, they're, she's, she has a kid. So it's like, you know, and then Peter Parker started off being a kid in high school, and then he graduates, and then he goes on, and he's in college. So, But then you always get to a point where the time scale slides in the, uh, in the yeah, big. Yeah, you know, big. there gets to be a little, but, you know, it's like, if Stan had stuck with it and the, the, the artists had stuck with it, maybe they would have kept going with that a little bit more than they, than they ended up doing. I don't I like, think, you know, it's like Franklin could have become a, a, a little kid a lot quicker than he did. He was, he was a baby for way long. I mean, I like to think so. I like, uh, I know Claremont, for instance, initially had plans of retiring Scott when he married Madeline Pryor. And that was, you know, uh, yeah. a changing of the guard there. And then uh, I actually went when um, Reed had a birthday party. John Byrne was writing and drawing Fantastic Four at the time. And I counted the candles on his cake to see how old Reed was at the time. And he was supposed to be 40. Yeah, I, I did remember, that with Peter Parker. Yeah, I remember the time uh, during that same time, DC had a mandate that no hero was over 28 until Mike Grell decided that uh, Oliver Queen was going to be uh, 38 when he did the Longbow Hunters. Hmm. Uh, he wanted to age him up significantly. So, you know, I I, I kind of dig the fact that, like, uh, I like to see the characters progress. I like to see them grow. And even if uh, Ant's on more of a sliding scale, I definitely do a appreciate this sort of approach to books uh things should move on progress characters should change out characters yeah, should yeah, grow. yeah yeah i mean things things change but it you know i mean it can it could be as simple as her suit is keeping her sure you know oh she got injected with this stuff and now her suit and everything that's gone has changed her physically to the point where she is not aging the same as everybody else. And it's like, all right, done. Everybody else can get old around her and we'll just watch pieces fall off as they. <laughs> it's you know. it's kind of funny because every now and then I'll see somebody like at Marvel address it. They had that, uh, what was the name of the book? Uh, maybe it was Frontline. Uh, they had like a little spinoff book for a while where Ben Yurick had his own newspaper and they were talking to Miss Marvel. And uh, Carol Danvers at the time, for those of you who don't know. Yeah. And the, the reporters saying, like, you know, how old are you supposed to be? Aren't you supposed to be, like, 50 or 60 by now, but you still look like you're 20-something? And, and you've died a couple of times? <laughs> so they actually, every now and then you get, like, a, an addressment of that. But it's it's not really in the main continuity when you think about it. So Yeah. I kind of well, they, they can't. They really can't is the thing. That I, I can do this because I'm, I'm here I'm in charge. I'm making mm-hmm. up all, all the characters. I'm making up all the villains and the heroes. And DC can't count on somebody creating something as cool as Spider-Man. So if Spider-Man aged in real time, well, Spider-Man's been going on for 60 years. Mm-hmm. So even if you push it and say, oh, he was 15 at the time, 
It's like, well, that's still 75. Yeah. So if he was aging in a, in real time, Spider-Man would be 75 years old. It's like, he couldn't be doing what he's doing at, at age 75. So is, who's going to create the next Spider-Man? Is, you know, once that character retires, who's, who's the next one? And, and is the audience going to go, Oh, I'm as invested in the next Spider-Man as I was in the first Spider-Man. And are you going to be as invested in the third Spider-Man and the fourth Spider-Man? Well, this is why I appreciate people who actually have their own creation or at Mm -hmm. the very least, uh, uh, they oversee it. They they become that showrunner, that sort of Kevin Faggy position, if you will, uh, uh-huh. like yourself or like a, like the manga artists in Japan, or even like a, when you look at Mike Manola, you know, he writes all this Hellboy stuff, but he branched out and he allowed other people to work in his sandbox, but he oversaw everything. So it's the same yeah. vision throughout. And I I feel like that's a great thing because when you have just a singular vision for the character there is a a real i don't want to say uh continuity but it's there but it's uh it's consistent it's throughout yeah there's it's like oh, okay this it's this satisfying. makes sense and you're not going to have somebody deciding you know oh this is this guy's the the problem with working at a marvel or a dc and it being handed from one guy to the next is you've got this constant flow of the next writer coming on going well from my point of view mm-hmm. this character should be this way and then the next guy comes along and goes ah oh, that guy what a dick I'm going to make it totally different and it's like you can't have characters switching gears so much and then you've got the artists on there who are, who are deciding Hulk seven feet tall what the hell that's no good he's going to be ten feet tall <laughs> and it's like Wait a minute, you know, and or what the hell does Mary Jane looks like? She just she just has orange hair, right? Isn't that her defining characteristic? You know, for years it was now she's got arched eyebrows and she's got a cleft in her chin and she's mm-hmm. got dimples and and it would they would hammer that home like, look, this everybody's got to draw her like she's the same person, and then later on it's like I got to have somebody telling me that's Mary Jane because I don't look like her at all. Yeah, and part of that seems to be a failing of editorial. Like, I know Big Jim Shooter gets a, a – he got a pretty bad rap uh, from a lot of the yeah. guys he worked with at Marvel in the days. But he did keep things very consistent. He was very good at his job in that way. And uh, and I think there's there's something to that. And, and mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, people do love the individual different, you know, artists t- doing their take on something, you know. So it's like – I mean, people people liked when Todd did Spider-Man and changed yeah. a lot of the aspects of him visually. And I think that just became like, oh, if Todd can do it, why can't I do it? And now it's now every time a new artist gets on a book, suddenly characters are gaining or losing 40 pounds and <laughs> <laughs> growing or shrinking a few inches, which is it's kind of messy in a way. Yep, for sure, for sure. I mean, like, I mean, I love, uh, I like, I like Todd spaghetti webbing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big eyes took some getting used to. I, I kind of like the classic John Romita eyes. 
Uh, and I, I do, there are times, definitely times when I miss things being on character model, as you say. And as an artist myself, I understand, like, I'll, I'll do, like, recreations of characters. I like to put my own spin on them. But, like, I'm not doing that for the company. This is for my own amusement when I do Yeah, this. yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, I there's a certain things that I, you know, when I'm doing somebody else's character, or I try to be like, all right, I'm not going to nail your style completely. Mm-hmm. But if you're giving the character really big hands, I'm going to give your character really big hands because right. that's the way you've established him as being. If he's, you know, if you get, if you draw him with some weird little squishy face and like way too much chin and, you know, big ears, I'm not going to come on there and be like, Oh, well, my vision is he's got a, a completely different configuration of a face. I kind of try to approach it the same way I would if I were drawing the, a real person. You know, mm-hmm. you wouldn't go, well, my Barack Obama is nine feet tall. You go like, what the hell? No, he's got to look like the same dude. We're all supposed to be drawing the same dude. You know, if everybody's Peter Parker looks wildly different from everybody else's and somebody's like, Oh, I think you should have the, the Steve Rogers comb over where he's just, it's like, no, that's not even the, the guy anymore. That's just some totally different guy. And that's something else that's been very consistent about your art is when I, when I look at all the background characters that you were drawing in the Savage Dragon, all the supporting characters, all the background characters, they were all individuals I could pick out and recognize. Uh, I never had to go like, who's that guy again you know like you know judging by their hair color or what they're wearing that sort of thing and so you you definitely keep that uh that old school sensibility alive and well and it's definitely appreciated well you try to find a face i do at least where you can go okay so you're going to be able to recognize that character from you know his, his silhouette or a very specific kind of configuration of features or or something Otherwise, you're going to constantly have to have characters call each other by name, and that just gets ridiculous. Hey, you're another guy who looks just like me, except (laughs) he has slightly different colored hair. And when I zoom in on our faces, you would swear we're the same dude. It's like, that's not good. Yeah, because there's there's some artists who I dearly love, but they they tend to draw the same character faces over and over again, like uh, Ron Lim or Jim Lee. You know, if if you don't know the characters by you know by their hairstyle maybe or what they're wearing, you're like, that's all the same guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to go down the road of picking on anybody in particular because that'll come back to haunt me. But... No, no. <laughs> I'll just say enough. Leave, say, leave, leave that to me. I. I <laughs> I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to uh, suffer the same slings and arrows you do. <laughs> and like I said, I do love all of these guys. I'm a huge fan of Robin, yeah, yeah, huge yeah. fan of Jim Lee. But these, these well, are just there are, there are there's stuff like that too where I would go, oh, I love Jack Kirby, but damn, Commandy looks an awful lot like Thor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, uh, he was. uh He was not the keenest observer of anatomy, but boy, he could draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of power there, though. Damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, when it comes to Ant, um, is there anything in particular you want to explore with the series? Uh, again, going back to Dragon, because it's, I guess it's really been the thing that I, uh, 
dug into most when it came to your career because I was really, really into that book uh, all throughout the 90s. Um, you, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you were a big fan of O.J. Simpson and you based Lieutenant Frank Darling <laughs> off of him. And when the trial came out, you actually incorporated some of that, his fall, uh, because you're watching uh, your, your hero potentially fall in real time. Are you, are you playing, exploring anything uh, with Ant in a similar fashion? Any, any facet of what you know, you're seeing going on or anything interesting with the character mentally? Uh, um, I'm kind of monkeying around a bit with some, uh, Mostly the conspiracy theory type guys who just Ooh. go falling down those crazy, insane mm-hmm. rabbit holes of, oh, and then this is connected with this, and then this is connected with that. So really, that's the kind of world I want to play with with her is really that crazy, paranoid, this is all this is all the government and they're all doing this and then they're manipulating that. No, it's all, it has to do with the currency. It's kind of (laughs) crazy, crazy stuff. That's kind of what I want her world to be. The the basic setup is that there are, there is a, uh, a group, a consortium of some sort who are like, the end of the world is coming, so we got to prepare for the end of the world. The rapture is going to be here. We want to be able to survive a, a holocaust. What if there's a nuclear war? We need to be able to survive that. So what can we do to do? And so her dad was kind of trying to come up with a way of, you know, the whole ant suit was a way of surviving a nuclear war. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's other people who are like, no, our thing is we're going to be capturing the 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 Norse gods and the mytho- mythological gods, and we're going to have our brains get transformed into, into these gods. So now we'll have the bodies of these gods, and we'll be able to live forever, and, and we'll be able to survive. And and then you've got, oh, no, no, what we've got to do is we've got to become these volcanic people. They're able to survive anything, you know? And, then, and somebody else will be like, no, cockroaches. Cockroaches do everything. We've got to be the cockroach people. And That's this, what this is and how so, we're going to get the cockroaches. And, so then you, and then, and then you, you've got another – they're sitting there going, oh, and then it's not happening fast enough. People aren't dying. We need to we – need we don't want to die before the – before the apocalypse so we've got to cause the apocalypse so <laughs> then you get all this crazy crazy people who are just going at it trying to be and 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 that's kind of the fun part of that was just okay well what's real and what is just somebody having this crazy crazy conspiracy and then she's young she's like this this kid trying to sort through it all so she starts getting these messages on her on her laptop that are saying this is what's going on somebody wants to destroy the city you need to go down in the sewer and deal with this son of a bitch because the whole city is going to become toxic if you don't go and deal with this so she's like okay if i go down to the sewer (laughs) you know so she's suddenly down there prowling around the sewer looking for, oh, there he is. This this is real now. You know, I, so now now it's, this this communication is going on on her computer. Now she's like, this is my source. This is my guy. And she doesn't know who the hell it is. So, so I, I kind of want to play with some of that just 
just the madness that's going on now where, um, I mean, the whole, whole calling into question of, well, what's real? What's, what's, what's true and what isn't true? Well, this is, you know, this TV network over here, CNN is saying, mm-hmm. this is the truth. And then you've got Fox over here that's saying, no, 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 that's not the truth. That's all BS. This is the truth. And, and you know, and as the, as the viewer watching TV, you're going, I got to pick sides here and decide <laughs> what truth is. And it, whereas it used to be, you know, you would have the, you'd have the fairness doctrine, which, you know, Reagan got rid of, but the fairness doctrine was all like, no, this has got to be real. This is, this is no BS. This has got to be the real stuff. And just this whole notion that, you know, they got rid of all a, a bunch of this stuff. And now it's just, it's mayhem. And it's like, Oh, anything's real. So you've got some people who are just saying, Oh yeah, no, I, I totally won. I, there was an election that I totally won. And what, what, what are you doing confirming that dude? I'm, I'm the winner. And it's like, dude, you need to have more. You can't just say you're the winner. You actually need to have the votes of the people and you don't have that. So you're not the winner, but we're in a really weird place where you've got all these people who are just barking at each other going, no, 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 this is real. This is real. And the other people going, no, no, no. It's like, come on. <laughs> this, this is such a fun idea. Uh, I love the idea of like a conspiracy theorist as doomsday cultists. And <laughs> the fact that because uh, she's getting her information off the internet, who's to say what she's getting. Oh, I know. And somebody could be hacking this other yeah, person. She could, and suddenly she's, She's going someplace else and beating up somebody and then finding out, oh, no, that that guy actually was good. And then and then what if you find out like, you know, like like a broken clock, some of these conspiracy theorists are actually right. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. some of their crazy ideas aren't so crazy. You know, it, it's all. Paranoid. Yeah. Every it's now and then there's something there's something shows up and it's like, hey, what do you know? People did do that. Well. This is this is fun. It's like a now now I'm imagining the the flat earthers trying to cut yeah. the earth in half. So that's kind of so that's that's a, a real and I also like kind of the idea of her whole reality being in question. Where you and as the reader, you're kind of sitting there going, "Well, wait a minute, did that happen or was that just in her head?" Because you started off issue two with her fighting terrorists. Mm-hmm. And then you cut to pages two, three, and she's in an insane asylum. And then later on, she's fighting terrorists. Did that? Did that happen? It's got kind of a similar voiceover to the two different scenes. She's got. Is this still in her head, or is this real? And I kind of, I kind of like having it be a little unclear necessarily. Of all mm-hmm. right, well, what are you gonna, what are you gonna believe? Did this happen or did this not happen? That's that's definitely a nice callback to the uh, confusion of the original series. So, yeah, I, I like the way you've uh, you've taken what's gone before, and mm-hmm. uh, you've managed to do something that is similar, but definitely your own thing with it. Yeah. Well, mostly I, I just was like, I just need this in sequence. I just want these in in order. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> When did it happen? What's going on here? 
why am I so confused? Um, so some of it I'll pay attention to. Some of it I won't. Um, I'm kind of dealing with uh, some of the issues just kind of going, all right, well, I got to have a piece of this take place now and then a piece of this take place later and break this up a little bit because some of it, some of it also, he went on so much for so long, like four issues, one into the next, into the next, into the next. It's like, that's not a scene I can just cut away to and mm-hmm. then get back to my story. So crap, I'm going to have to break this up and and revisit some of that stuff later on down the road. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it will all make sense. I'll just be like, okay, I get it. This is a different book than what you had before. But that's one of the reasons that I, I inevitably decided I got to start over rather than continuing with, with what he'd got before. So, yeah. yeah, thumbs up, guy, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Thanks a lot, Manuel. Keep the readers guessing. I'll do it. No, no, that's, uh, you know, always leaving wanting more. Uh, but really what I wanted to do is have this book have a real different kind of tone than – the Savage Dragon book. So, you know, Savage Dragon is is like art wise, it's, it looks one way, and then story wise, it's one way, and just have the two be like super different from each other. Um, uh, Savage Dragon right now is uh, what is it? A mature reader's book, um, mm-hmm. and, and it will not be a mature reader's book. It's a Teen plus book, whatever the hell that means. So uh, it's really more like a, aside from like a, all the the crazy kookiness that's going on, it's it's a, more your classic superhero story, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, yeah, little it's crazy. more it's more it's my Spider Man book. Yeah, for you know, I mean, it's my crazy paranoid Spider Man book. <laughs> I mean, the the Spider Man thing comes across. I could even like see review re reviewing uh, Gully's uh, first twelve inch issues for image uh that when when hannah was aunt the spider-man thing really came through so he's, he was definitely applying your notes like i was yeah, getting it yeah, right yeah, away yeah. and and it's like i'll be i'll be probably swiping for my own spider-man poses and swiping did mm-hmm. spider-man poses <laughs> yeah because it, it wasn't just the poses it was also like the uh the dialogue it, it felt very spider-man as well and you know yeah it translates well to this character. I think so. And, and I think it'll be, it'll be, think it'll be a fun book. I'm, I can't wait to get super into it. You know, at this point I've got four issues under my belt, but it's like, I want to, I want to be on issue 12 or 13 or 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Well, so- as long as you don't show the naughty bits, you're, you're good to go. That's that's one thing that always used to kill me about Marvel is like uh, I appreciated it when they finally stopped putting pants on monsters and the Silver Surfer. It was like, what's wrong with him just being coated in silver and you don't see his junk? You know, like yeah, it's like, <laughs> all right. It was like, oh, Fin Fang Foom has to have pants. Why? Like you, you don't see a you don't see a crocodile's balls. Like come on, <laughs> you know. It got it got weird trying to uh, meet the comics code back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I would think that even if they didn't back in the day, that they probably would be like, "All right, this character doesn't have junk. That's that's fine." 
I mean, like it, it worked for like uh, Donald Duck. He's running around pantsless. Yeah, he's, he doesn't have anything going. He doesn't so, have boys it... swinging around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is there anything in particular you like, uh, you enjoy more about it? Uh, or is it all just the toll page? Do you enjoy drawing it more? Or do you enjoy writing it more? It sounds like you're having a blast writing it for sure. Yeah, it's it's all of the above. It's it's kind of in a weird state now because I am kind of revisiting a lot of what Mario did. So there's a fair amount of me referencing directly panels that that Mario drew. So it'll be like, all right, well, I want to establish that it's she's going to a comic book convention and it's the same comic book convention. So let me do the same establishing shot of you know, essentially the same street. I'll, I'll I'll put different cars and I'll reconfigure things a little bit, but you you get the idea that it's the same street. When she's walking in, it's like, okay, these will be essentially the same people that are there. There's shots uh, in the, in throughout the comic will be like, okay, this shot is really the Mario shot, but it gets filtered through my style. So mm-hmm. it ends up, I, I'm hoping that you don't see it and go, wow, that looks, that panel looks super different from any other panel you've done. Cause I'll find a way to, to, uh, tweak things this way or that. So it still looks consistently my own stuff. But, uh, but there's definitely just little points where I'm like, I want this to feel like it's that. And I want you to go to realize, no, this is the same thing. This is supposed to be a different take on that same scene. So, yeah. Now, okay. given how much you've got on your plate, uh, would you consider letting somebody take over the art chores uh, while you kept writing? Nah, that's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> I can't depend on anybody is the problem with all this stuff. There is it's that. Like, it's like, uh, Plus, you know, then I got to pay him. That's no good. <laughs> you know that, and it does get to be a problem. Where I've done stuff before, where I've hired a bunch of a bunch of people, and then the the numbers come in, and it's like, oh, this book is not making a huge amount of money. So, check it out. I just lost three, four thousand dollars. That's all right. It's mm-hmm. like you know, you can do that. A, you can do that a few issues, but. Eventually, it's like the wife comes knocking at the door going, hey, <laughs> oh, sorry, honey. I, I do ask that because I remember uh, back when you had a, a bunch of Splinter titles off Savage Dragon. Uh, I, I can't remember his name, uh, unfortunately, but uh, I did like the, the artist for Freak Force, a uh, fellow who's oh, yeah. definitely inspired by John Victor Byrne. Victor Bridges? That's it. Yeah, Vic is a good guy. I like that. I like his, like him. I like his work. Uh, he was a pleasure to work with. Good guy. Uh, yeah, I, I always, I liked his artwork because I was a John Byrne fan. It felt like he was very influenced by John Byrne without being John Byrne, yeah, which was so. a nice touch. Yeah, very much so. All right, I guess I want to wrap with a, with one last question here. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any favorite ant moments thus far, or do you have a something you could tease us with, with something that you think is just going to be so fun 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking forward to, to kind of populating her universe. You know, it's kind of an opportunity to make up a whole new group of villains again. Well, and you're certainly you good know, at that. <laughs> do, you know, do a bunch of different stuff that I haven't gotten to do in a long time. Plus, it's a book that's set in, in a different city. It's set in New York for the most part and stuff like that. So I, I kind of wanted to do is have this issue of when I get to issue 12, have the new issue 12 be the same as the old issue 12 that I just did before. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm going to do kind of the same what I did on Savage Dragon was we're all working towards a point And then from once I get to that point, then it's all new and I can do whatever I want to. <laughs> so I kind of feel like that, that, that same way on Ant, where it's like, all right, I need to get all all this stuff is all backstory till issue 12, and then it's and then it's free. I could do whatever at that point. But now, I like I that. Wanna, there's a lot of stuff that I want to be able to do and I haven't been able to do with a lot of characters. One of the, the, the tough things I've always seen with uh, other people doing uh, books with female leads has always been um, how do you do a compelling romantic interest that fans don't hate? <laughs> huh. you know, it's like every time, every time all those books, it's like, oh, Ms. Marvel, her, her boyfriend sucks. Oh, Spider Woman, her boyfriend's an idiot. You know, She Hulk, oh, her boyfriend's a boob. You know, and, it, and it's like, what? what was wrong with Wyatt Wingfoot? I like well, he was cheating. Why it was cheating? That was that was pure cheating because it was like let's take a character that everybody already is predisposed to liking and bring oh, okay. this character into there. And it's like I I I don't have any character who's going to have that cachet coming in. So I got to build him from the ground up. You know, and that's a that's a tougher task. You know, it's a taller order, and I think. You know, especially with male readers reading female characters, it's always like, well, he's not good enough for her. What the hell? <laughs> so, no, she's got to be like me. That's that's funny. That's sort of, <laughs> that's sort of like a readership, you know, projection and, and chivalry all wrapped up in the one. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's the whole, it's, it's really tough because it's like, how am I going to come up with a character that you're going to go, yes, he is totally worthy of her. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, man. That's a tough one. Yeah, but I, 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 I want to be up for the challenge. That, that to me is like the big challenge in this book. Was all right. How am I going to do this so that? And it's going to take some doing because I got a, I got a lot to get done, and it's going to take a lot of setup to go. Okay, now I got to. Can I have this character make friends? Can I have her world expand? Because right now. She is in New York in a shitty apartment and she's got no, no real source of income. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. How are you going to, you're going to set her up? You're going to give her a job, like a real job. Like she's, you, you know, Oh, I gotta. Yeah. You gotta figure this, out how it's all going to burn, but I got to fight the stilt man. You know, it's like, <laughs> Are you setting up story ideas before Ant? Twelve, it will pay off. Yeah, I mean, there's always stuff. Come on, Andy, you can't be the other guy asking questions. 
<laughs> yeah, so I got to get a lot of stuff before Ant Twelve because Ant Ant Twelve basically takes place in a in a kind of a limited arena. So it's like, all right, this all is happening in this sewer, and then and then the the end scene is is with her dad. So all the stuff that goes before then will be. Let me introduce a bunch of bad guys and let me introduce a bunch of supporting characters and let me start expanding her world a little more and fleshing it out. Then she can go into this sewer scene and have whatever adventure that is. And then it's like, okay, now following up on 12 where her, her dad is back into the picture and her mom is back into the picture and now she knows somebody who, you know, I introduce a, a female character in issue 12 who, who will be a recurring character in the book thereafter. So there, there's, there's at least, you know, three support, ongoing supporting characters that do get introduced in 12. But, um, prior to that, I want to get more little pieces there and more characters established. I've got, uh, yeah, there's just a lot to do. <laughs> you know, when you start off a book, there's you got nothing to begin yeah. with. Yeah, it's like, all right, oh, where where are all the pieces? Let me let me start putting this together here. I mean, you like know? when you when you did Dragon, you by making him a cop, you really didn't give yourself do yourself any favors because you had to introduce all these officers he was working with. They yeah, they became all these supporting background characters, and you know, like. Peter Parker, yeah, for instance, is pretty easy because, like, Aunt May and a couple yeah, yeah, of bullies. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But, I mean, the, the, the nice thing with Savage Dragon is that it that it let me be able to have him be part of a team mm-hmm. at the same time that he was a solo character, you know? So it's like, oh, right. well, if I need team members, I've got Howard Neisman and I've got Rita Metermaid and I've got all these other things that are there that I can play off of. So it's like, Oh, the whole team is going on. Um, <laughs> all right. The answer to that question. No, is, is the per, people watching this, are they seeing these questions or they are? Or is, okay. Um, it is all in the same universe. Yes. Savage dragon exists. Um, and dragon will be appearing in the book occasionally as will some Savage Dragon villains will eventually be showing up in the book, but I don't want it to be dependent on Savage Dragon. And I don't, I don't want either book to be dependent on the other. So you can just read Ant and never read Savage Dragon. And you can just read Savage Dragon and never read Ant. And you're not going to be confused. Um, If members of Freak Force show up in the book, and she's having to deal with members of Freak Force because she's being introduced to them for the first time. We will too, as as the readers of Ant. So it's like, oh, who are you? And what's your what's your deal? What are you all about? Yeah, I mean, you've you've got to treat everybody. Every comic is somebody's first comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's kind of the idea of of everything. Is like, you know, I I'm not going to shovel in all the backstory. I can't. I can't possibly tell you 30 years where the backstory for every issue of Savage Dragon, mm-hmm. but 
if you're reading that issue, you're going to get enough information that you can understand that issue. You know, so if a bad guy shows up, you're going to go, that character is going to be identified and you're going to know why they're pissed off at each other, you know, so that, so that you're not sitting there going, I don't even know who, who's the star of this book. What the hell's going on here? All right. Yeah. So we might in fact get ant versus arachnid again, because that's a very logical pairing. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I laid out that cover for him. It's like, Oh, I want, I, I could draw that cover now. <laughs> Let me do it. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of the thought was to eventually do that one. Um, and Mario had introduced a couple of villains who I have now. So, um, it was a Colburn and some green haired lady. <laughs> so uh, it's like, I don't remember. Yeah. There's a, there's a few different ones and I've already, I already used some of his a little bit with that Jessica Mime girl. So it's sort of, there's, there's gets to be a little of, of other characters that can't kind of came along with Ant. It's like, mm-hmm. I basically has bought, uh, Ant and her universe. Minus right. Characters that showed up really late in the series. So, you know, I want to kind of establish some of those guys and have them go through their paces and do some cool stuff with them, you know? And it's like, oh, you've got, you've got ice powers. Well, what would be a cool way of doing ice powers that, that aren't the same as everybody else's version of ice powers? What can I do with that? It's like, oh, he can form these big ice fists and just be like, get your craft out of it. It's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Do do different stuff with that. It's like, oh, I can make myself a big ice helmet or whatever. Yeah, I like that because that's that's such a challenge when I'm designing a character. And, you know, I I look at like the manga My Hero Academia, that guy comes up with some really cleverly original powers. Because when you're dealing with uh, 80 years of archetypes, it's it's difficult to, like, reinvent the wheel and uh, do yeah, something yeah, yeah. cool with it. Yeah, and it, but it's like you also don't want them to have totally dumb powers, too. No. Where you're just like, all right, so your arms fall off. What does that do you? <laughs> <laughs> Legion of Heroes, arm fall off boy. Look it yeah, up. it's like, okay, what, what, what is that? Oh, I can change my feet into turtles. Like, all right, that's, that's great. I, you know, <laughs> this actually, is, is going to take a while. I, I actually wouldn't put that one past you, given some of the things I've seen. Uh, yeah, well, it's like turtle foot. <laughs> yeah, let's let's try this out. We can do whatever we want to. This would be cool. I always uh, I always like the guy whose whose head just split open into this uh, crazy mouth. Oh yeah, yeah, open face. Yeah, that was that was a fun one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's like all this stuff, but but you the, the you don't want to do is to get into this rut where you go, oh now I've got six guys who all have the same mm-hmm. basic stuff because that gets that gets old, right? Because we we've all seen the guy who can catch fire and fly and you know just yeah, well a lot of them are standard like super strength. You don't bat an eye. At, oh, mm-hmm. here comes another guy with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go, turtle foot. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you 
co-created yeah. with Eric Larson, Turtlefoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's, he's, that's more of a Carl Cosmic villain. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, Eric, I got to say, this has been a tremendous pleasure. I'm, uh, I'm glad you, uh, uh, came onto the show uh-huh. and, uh, was willing to spend some time with us here. And, uh, we learned a great deal about ants, <laughs> right. uh, about Savage Dragon, about your process in general, and uh, a lot of pretty neat history in the, uh, in the time that we've had together. Right. And, uh, nice. you have been a scholar and a gentleman and, and right. you put your pants on, which was disappointing, but hey, well, you can't have everything. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I thought it was a family friendly show. I had no idea that it was. Yeah, they're only shooting us from the waist up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, so I guess, uh, Al, you uh, should be listening out there. We're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, once again, for the Comic Crusaders, I've been Bracey. This, of course, has been The Legend. Eric Larson, uh, if you haven't heard of him before, go check out his old stuff from Marvel. Check out Savage Dragon, his very long-running creator-owned project. And, of course, uh, check out Ant. Uh, It's new, (laughs) it's exciting, and it's going to be a thrill ride by the sound of things. All right. Everybody, thank you all for joining us, and good night. Thanks for all the guys who, uh, who messaged in as well. All right. 